Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, COVID cases are up in Allegheny County, but our hospitalization rates are down, so that's something. But if COVID symptoms have been plaguing you for weeks or months, we have something here in Pittsburgh that's growing in popularity around the country, a post-COVID recovery clinic. It's hosted by UPMC and co-directed by Dr. Michael Risbano. He's here to help us understand what doctors are calling long COVID. It's Monday, August 1st. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. So 12 weeks after initial infection, that's a really long time to still feel crappy. Yeah. Um, so how long do, does long COVID last? Do we know? Well, I mean, we have some people who come into clinic and it's been, you know, at this point, probably two years. Oof. And and it it does last a while. I think there's, there's large data sets out there. If you look at some of the UK data sets where they followed people longitudinally, a lot of people get better. You know, you, you may feel bad for, you know, those 12 weeks, uh, you know, may go up to six months or so. But the majority of people we see in clinic and the, and large number of these people in these data sets, they get better. But there's yeah. a small group of people who who linger and they just don't seem to get better. And a lot of those people tend to have the fatigue the malaise, the exercise intolerance. A lot of the pulmonary symptoms get better. Brain fog seems to persist for a group of people as well. How are you seeing these symptoms affect people's day-to-day lives? Because I remember, I mean, I had COVID and I mm-hmm. remember um, how tired I was during that that infection you know, week yeah. plus, but is it still that same level of, you know, are the symptoms as persistent as they are, I guess, during your initial infection? Yeah, it it seems like for some people, it's the same thing. They have the same amount of fatigue. Um, And and they'll go on and say like, you know, stuff that we see with other disease states too. I have good days and I have bad days. You know, they may go out and have a good day and do a lot of stuff. And then for the next couple of days, they'll feel fatigued. And that's one of the other hallmark symptoms that we see with long COVID. It's almost like uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. And that's been something that's been around for quite some time, you know, the fibromyalgia, the chronic fatigue type syndrome, Mm -hmm. um, where people have gotten that with other viral illnesses. They've gotten it sort of out of the blue, but they feel fatigued, tired, they can't do things. And it lasts for weeks and weeks and weeks, if not years. And that may be some of these people who have this prolonged phase of of long COVID. It's, It's possible that they may fall into that category. Are there any treatments that you've seen that have helped? There aren't a lot of treatments. I I think, you know, what we're trying to do with some of the research that we're doing is looking to see if we could identify what we call phenotypes of of what people may have with exercise fatigue or even shortness of breath. And then once you dial in in terms of what's driving this, then you could identify how to treat. Most of the patients who come in uh, with complaints, a lot of the care is what we call supportive which means that we're going to send them to physical therapy. We're going to get them moving around. We're going to, you know, if they have trouble with loss of sense of smell and taste, there's some training that goes along with that. And then typical things like getting people hydrated, IV fluid, you know, or fluids, drinking fluids, IV fluids if needed. And then even for brain fog, we'll send them for cognitive workups and and then have them do some training or therapy as well. 
but there isn't there isn't a magic pill. There's you know some places yeah. that'll say that you know we've identified certain inflammatory markers and you have to take this combo of medications. A lot of this stuff hasn't been evaluated in randomized controlled placebo trials. I think once we could really dial in on what's driving some of this, then we may have some more treatments available. Does vaccine status affect your chances at all? Because, you know, now we're seeing people who are double boosted still getting it. Yeah. So that's a really good question. It depends on what literature you look at. You know, the CDC will say they believe that vaccination is a good way to prevent long COVID. And it, it's possible. I think sort of the best way to not get long COVID is to not get COVID at all. <laughs> so that's that's like the surefire way. But, um, you know, there, there but may... It seems it seems unavoidable now. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, two years ago, it was you, you'd see people coming into the hospital, but you didn't know anyone personally. And I can tell yeah. you now, in the past six months, I've known a lot of people personally who have had COVID. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just it's out there. And I think it's underreported and, and probably underdiagnosed. I think a lot of people are running around because a, a lot of these home tests are not getting reported. And some people yeah. are just like, oh, I'm just not going to test. Um, but I, I think vaccination status. it seems to make sense that vaccination status should help prevent long COVID. There's some individual small studies, like 300 people that says, you know, recovery after having had COVID, whether you're vaccinated or not, may not be much different. Mm -hmm. So I I think we're still waiting to see sort of larger community-based studies to see if there's a a big difference uh, in vaccination status. You run a post-COVID recovery clinic here. Mm -hmm. What kind of work do you do at the clinic? So we'll see. We have a a group of of physicians that that we all work with. The the post-COVID recovery clinic itself is based out of the uh, pulmonary group, uh, the pulmonary mm-hmm. critical care group here at UPMC. Uh, we'll see patients who come in with a variety of symptoms, complaints. We do telemedicine visits. I'd say the vast majority of, of the visits are telemedicine. And we could even yeah. see people out of the area, out of state. You know, the one good thing that came out of COVID was that we're now able to do these telemedicine visits. And people who can't travel or are coming from far, you know, three, four hours away, they're just a phone call away. So it's it's very easy to do a telemedicine visit. Yeah, that must that must invite a lot of people that you're seeing. Um, how many, what's the wait time like? How many people are you seeing? How many patients are you seeing a week, roughly? So I could tell you, we've probably seen about 60 patients per month. Okay. So that's, that's the number that we're seeing. It's been steady. Uh, we started the, the post-COVID clinic in 2020, and we've probably seen a little over 800 patients, individual patients since then. Uh, and the numbers have been steady. They, they, they haven't really dropped off because, well, there's still people getting COVID. The show today is brought to you by an incredible local resource, AIDS Free Pittsburgh, and their pledge to end the HIV AIDS epidemic in Allegheny County by 2030. If that is a cause that is close to your heart, make sure you're around for their biggest event of the summer, the sixth annual Too Hot for July. It is a party, but it is also a chance to get confidential HIV and STI testing for free, plus info on the incredible preventative medicines we have now to keep yins happy, healthy, and feeling your most confident out on the town. So come on out to Allegheny Commons East Park on Thursday, May 30th. 
Yes, July is in the name, but the event is in May. Don't get confused. May 30th from 4 to 10 p.m. There will be DJ sets, a health fair and marketplace, a ballroom inspired dance battle, cash bar, food trucks, and more. Plus a performance by Tony Award winner Alex Newell, a.k.a. Unique from Glee. This is all thanks to True Tea Pittsburgh and so many folks doing the good work out here in the community. So do not miss out. Learn more at TooHotForJuly.com. That was a sad uh, note to end on. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I, was sorry. Waiting, I, was, I was waiting for something uh, for it to go back up. Okay. Um, it it kind of seems like, I don't know, from medical professionals lately that the advice that we're getting about COVID is that um, we're probably all going to get it. it. It's If you've been vaxxed at this point, it's generally mild. Um, I don't know, maybe if you've gotten it before, is it also mm-hmm. considered generally? Okay. So be as careful as you can, but kind of resume normal life again. Uh, So as someone who sees long COVID close up, what do you think about this messaging? I I mean, I can tell you personally, my habits have changed differently. I mean, we still, you know, I'll still travel for a conference. I'll still go out um, depending on how endemic it is or, you know, like with this new variant that's going around. I still tend to mask going to crowded places. And, and I I think you have to know where you are and who you're with. And, you know, we're still not having people over the house to, you know, like large parties and, and stuff like that. We used to do stuff like that, but it doesn't happen anymore. So, so I I think you have to sort of identify what your risk tolerance is. Um, And I think people probably could be less risky, but. (laughs) Is there anything being spearheaded in Pittsburgh right now, as far as like research that kind of gives you any hope or that makes you proud. I don't either way. We've been doing a little bit of work, uh, trying to phenotype patients, meaning trying to identify patients who come in with shortness of breath, fatigue. I run this program called the invasive cardiopulmonary exercise testing program, where if patients come in with shortness of breath, we have them do a bicycle study with some catheters in place, one in the pulmonary artery and one in the wrist, and we'll be able to identify what's their exercise limitation. And to date, we've, we've probably in the past little over a year, we've done about 40 patients who've come in and found a variety of things. Some people who have long COVID have normal, ex, what we call exercise physiology. Um, some people have physiology that's similar to this chronic fatigue syndrome. And and we have some people who uh, have deconditioning and that's been described also. And what we're trying to do with some of these studies, we're getting some blood work at the time and seeing how people's metabolism has changed. And this is gonna be a forthcoming manuscript coming up, looking at uh, some of these markers and, and probably pathways that may be impacting long COVID in patients with shortness of breath and exercise fatigue. So for someone who currently has long COVID and is wondering if things are ever going to change, what would you say to them? I usually tell people just to hang in there. I mean, that's usually my parting words for for patients when they leave my clinic and just say, hang in there. Um, Again, you know, the vast majority of people will get better. Yeah. It just takes time. Uh, and, And those who aren't, we still work with them. We don't we don't give up. Uh, but it, it's 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 going to be some hard work to get better, you know. Depending on what the symptoms are, uh, you know, physical therapy, 
cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, that sort of stuff has been the mainstay. And I, I think just people, people need to have faith and, and keep forging forward. Dr. Mike Risbano is the co-director of the Post-Acute Recovery Clinic at UPMC. Dr. Risbano, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for having me. A little news before you go. The faculty union at CCAC plans to call a vote of no confidence in their president and board. One of the main issues they've raised is student enrollment. It's plummeted in the past few years, and the union says the administration isn't doing what it needs to address the situation. Now, enrollment's down at a lot of schools since the pandemic, but union members told Pittsburgh City Paper their school is doing worse than other community colleges. And they started raising concerns about leadership as early as 2017. And we've got more news about the Fern Hollow Bridge. It's a big topic around here. City and state officials commissioned two local artists to design the bridge's new look, and they want your feedback. If you've got a special memory, a personal story, a historical fact about the bridge, you can share it. It'll help the artists stream up some public art for the bridge. So we'll drop the info and the form in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, you know the routine. Tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, subscribe to the morning newsletter, all the things. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. Stay safe and wash your hands. Because I've heard some of your, your podcasts. It sounds like you guys take one take and that's it. Oh, yeah. No, no. This is this is movie magic. Well, podcast magic.